This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is episode 56 of the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast. Tonight, it's going to be a quick one. It's just me, so I'm going to do some q and I'm going to hit a few questions that I've been seeing um, a couple of them pretty regularly, so I just kind of combined them down into not exact word-for-word questions I've been seeing, but a lot of similar questions on the same topic, so I'll talk about the, uh, those two things. And then the first one I saw the other day and I thought was pretty broad, so it would be good to talk about, and it's relevant. So we're going to get right into that uh, Q&A today on episode 56. So the first question that I pulled, and these are from... Uh, Facebook groups or in whether it be our Southern Illinois Deer Hunters page. If you guys haven't joined that yet, uh, check it out on Facebook. That's a page that I had started just for uh, specifically Southern Illinois deer hunting, but there are some guys that hunt, you know, different parts of Illinois in there, which I think is fine. But that way, everybody could maybe have a place to keep up with what's going on, what guys are seeing, learn from each other, um, kind of grow the community a little bit. So we're up to 3,000 some odd members now. So it's starting to take off this year. It's taken off really well. So if you guys aren't a part of that and you hunt in Illinois, go check it out. Um, Just make sure you answer the question because if you don't answer the question on there, it's automatic reject on your uh, request to join the group. So anyway, that's where a couple of these questions came from. Uh, The first one, I believe, actually came from there as well. So the guy asks... One thing I don't like about hunting this time of year is I don't know what to do. Should I rattle, uh, not rattle, use ester sense, grunt, which stand do I sit in? Uh, it drives me crazy. So the, that's, I think, a problem that a lot of people run into where just coming off all the activity from the rut and all that stuff maybe was working and you could get away with not even doing it necessarily at the right times or in the right situations as far as like the rattling goes and the grunts and the ester sense. And then even picking the right or wrong stand to sit in where you're going to have a lot more room for error during the rut. Now we're f- that's fading. We're about to work into the month of December, and the pattern's changing again. We're going into a new phase of the season, uh, the late rut phase, and into the late season, the first part of the late season, we'd, we'd call it, and that first part of December. So... It can be confusing because the things that worked two weeks ago aren't working anymore. So, And I talked a little bit about strategy for this time of year. Actually, that's all I talked about on the Full Draw Friday number 7 that came out on Friday, so go check that out. And before I get too far into this, I do want to say I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and a good Thanksgiving weekend, and it's back to the real world now on Monday. Hope you're having a good Monday, but, you know, hope this helps you get through it. So back to the question. So as far as, well, I'll just kind of break this down piece by piece. Uh, The rattling or not rattling. I'm not a big proponent of doing a lot of blind calling anyway during the early stages of the rut. Even in the pre-rut, I'll do it a little bit if I have the perfect wind to do it and I don't think they're going to get downwind to me. If I've got, whether that means I have something blocking that wind, uh, blocking that area downwind or... If that just means I, I don't expect them to come from that direction, that's when I'll do some blind calling. But I have to have that in order to do that. 
<clears throat> excuse me, this time of year, I definitely am not going to do any blind calling. I'm probably going to wait if I do see a buck that's, say, on the other side of the field. That's when I'm going to make a decision on it. And even then, just because he's not hearing a grunt call or I think I need to do something to help him get my direction, I may not rattle at him. There's a lot of variables that go into it. Again, just like any other time calling it a buck, if you don't know that buck specifically, and that's where trail cameras come in handy and, and seeing them previously, if you do know that buck and you know he's aggressive and he's the dominant buck in the area, calling at him may be more effective than one that's not. <clears throat> so you got to take that into consideration. And then if you don't have that information, you kind of have to read their body language. And what's he look like? Does he look like he's in an aggressive mood? Is he got his head up looking around and kind of almost not like a cruising, but more of a fast walk? Like he's he's kind of on a mission. He's not really there to feed. He's not feeding around. He's looking up. He's alert. Maybe that's a deer you could call. If not, maybe he's got his head down and he's just picking through food. And he's not really acting like he's on any specific mission. He's just moving from one place to another or on his way to food. Maybe don't call it that deer. And I would say if you do and he acknowledges it and doesn't come, then I'd just set it down right there. If he doesn't hear you, that's one thing. If he does and he doesn't respond, just leave it alone. There's other times of the year where you might hit him once or twice more. Right now, if he's still in the mood to come in for it, he's probably going to come in for it on the first one. If not, uh, you might do more harm than good by calling at him again. You know, the buck's testosterone levels are starting to drop off. They've peaked during the middle of the rut now they're starting to fall off so depending on where he's at with his testosterone levels and how much energy he's used up during the rut and how much fighting he had to do then he may not be in the mood to come looking for a fight anyway whether that he thinks that means there's a, a doe over there that's in or not if he's already worn down from the last month he's probably not going to come into that rattling so and that's kind of the same situation with a grunt now i do think that can be more effective because that's a, that can be a curiosity thing as much as it is getting them to come over there looking for a fight. Especially if you use uh, like a tending grunt or softer, softer grunts for them and not as aggressive calling at them. And again, if they hear it and don't acknowledge it, maybe you give them one more with a grunt call as opposed to the rattling antlers. But then after that, probably just let it go because you may end up just pushing them off where... If you left him alone, he might have worked around later. Now, if he thinks there's a buck over there that's going to bother him, he may not want to deal with that after all the stress that he's just had through the rut. So that's things to take into consideration as far as the calling goes. Now, the estrus sense, I'm not a huge fan of those anyway, just because of how deer biology actually works. I, I can get into that on another podcast sometime. Maybe next year during the rut, because I don't want to do it when it's completely irrelevant. So, But I wouldn't worry too much about that right now. I could still be effective if you're in the right situation, if you've got the right stuff. Like I, I do think our tarsal spray, like it's freshly mixed. So if a doe happened to come in the shop that was in heat and, you know, we mixed that up from her, Maybe you see some activity spike based on that, but it's not, again, not going to be as effective as it would have been two, three weeks ago. So I would probably rely more on 
getting back on a pattern of a deer, getting between his bedding and the food. Same way with if you're just looking for a doe, get between them and the food. They're going to be more likely to come out into the food early, but again, it just depends on where they're bedding. So I'm going to be more focused back on strategically sitting in certain spots, which is the other part of this question, as opposed to sitting in between the doe bedding areas or in a big funnel where the, the bucks are going to be coming downwind or cutting doe trails looking for hot does, which again, you may see some of that still because there are going to be some does that are still in heat or are just coming in, some of the younger ones that are just reaching their body weight to do that. And then here in another week, week and a half, you might see some more chasing going on from the does that are on their, whether they just, I don't know if misbred would be the right word, but if they didn't get bred the first time or if they did and it didn't take, they're on a 28-day cycle, so the next time they come around there in the early middle part of December, you might see some of that as well. That's commonly referred to as the second rut when really it's just still kind of the first rut, just the end of it. So anyway, those aren't going to be common occurrences though now like they would have been in the middle of this month or the first, second week of this month. So I'm going back to different setups, which is, like I said, the second part of this question, which stand do I sit in? Again, not looking at your rut stands. Those are pretty much going to be done for the year unless it sets up well for multiple phases. I've got a couple stands that are really good for not only cruising activity, but also just natural they're just natural travel corridors for the deer. It just sets up where they're on the downwind side of a doe bedding area. Another one's on a inside corner somewhat, little pocket of a cornfield where they just kind of like to cut through anyway. So the bucks will cruise those spots because they know that's where the deer activity is a lot. And, of, of course, downwind of that bedding area, if, if the wind's coming out of the right direction, um, one of those stands is set up for that. So that's... Those are going to be good spots for the rut and now because it's just natural activity for the deer to walk through there. So, But those are the spots you're going to be more looking at now is finding out, going back again, finding out where they're bedding, which could be different than it was early season because the foliage is all off now and everything's getting pretty thinned out in the woods. The wind's going to be whipping through there a little more. They're going to be moving to thicker cover closer to food. So that's going to be where you're going to want to probably find them. The does are going to be bedding closer to food now. The bucks are going to be bedding off off of the does. We talked about that before. The bucks aren't going to want those does walking through their bedding area all day. They don't want that kind of stress, especially now after what they just went through. So find out where the does are bedding, and then you can get in between them and the food if they're not coming out you know, before dark. So that's where I'm going as far as the stand setups is those natural travel corridors focused back on the food, not on the rutting activity, the cruising activity. So hopefully that helps a little bit with that. If you guys are in that similar situation where you just don't really know what to do this time of year, and it's not quite to the time of year yet where you can just set up on a brassica plot or if you got standing beans left and expect those deer to pour out into it early, like you will see in the late season, but they are starting to shift their focus back to food. So that's where the the stand setups are going to come into play. So 
On to the second question, and this is one of the two that I just kind of lumped a bunch together because I see it a lot. Both of these I see a lot. And this one is, should I hunt in the rain or wait until it's over? And there's a lot in that question, even though it seems like a pretty simple, like there should be a straightforward answer. Like most things in hunting, there is not. There's different types of rain, and that goes into it. If it's just a light mist or even a light rain that's somewhat steady, it's probably not going to alter their movement all that much. The deer are out there 365 days a year, so they're not going to let a little bit of rain stop them from going out and doing their normal thing. However, if you have a big downpour or a thunderstorm, that's going to be an event that's going to hold those deer in their beds, and then that's when I would wait and go in after that storm lets up. If you can get in there you know, within an hour after that rain quits, that's going to be, if it's in the daylight or even if it's went all night and has kept them from feeding all night and you can get in there in the morning after one of those those are some of the best times to be out there just a lot like a cold front moving through that weather is actually going to hold those deer off of one of their feeding periods and they're missing out on that so as soon as it lets up and as soon as they can get out of there and do it that's what they're going to go do and this time of year, that really comes into play as well. But, you know, based on what I said on that last question, and they're shifting their focus back to food. So if you have a, a big downpour and thunderstorm, I probably wouldn't recommend going out and hunting in that. Not to say guys haven't done it and killed nice deer doing it. I just think you're going to have more luck if you wait till that rain lets up. Now, maybe that means you go out and sit in it for 30 minutes or something. So you're out there when it does end. Good luck with that based on the weather predictions we've had pretty much all year and how accurate they have not been but if you want to do that that is an option but a, the other part of that where if it's that lighter rain I would definitely go out and sit in that sometimes if they are laid up if it's just a good steady rain it might be enough to make them want to get up and shake that off instead of just laying around so you might see some better daylight movement in something like that but overall it's probably not going to affect them all that much so whether you should hunt in the rain or wait till it's over kind of depends on the type of rain, in my opinion. And it also depends if you want to go out and get wet or not. If, you, if you're if you not necessarily a fair-weather hunter, but you don't feel like going out there and getting soaked to the bone when it's 45 degrees outside or 35 degrees outside to kill a deer, then by all means, don't go when it's raining. Wait till it's over. Even if it is just that you know, kind of slow, steady rain rather than the big downpour, it's still going to, could be miserable if you're, if it rains on you for long enough and you don't have appropriate rain gear or a blind to sit in. So that's obviously something to take into consideration. Now, if you're not worried about it, if you do have the right gear or a blind to sit in, by all means, I'd get out there and go sit in that. I've seen pretty good activity in rain. I can't say I've ever seen a lot of activity in downpours and I've sat through some of them pop-up thunderstorms in the early season, anywhere from that to ones that roll through faster than they were supposed to, and uh, I haven't had a lot of luck in them, but I have seen a lot of deer in that mist or that light rain just kind of steady down, coming down. I've seen a lot of deer up and moving in that and had some opportunities and some nice bucks during that kind of weather. So that can make it hard to track. That's another thing to take into consideration. If it is going to be raining all night and you shoot a deer and it's either a marginal shot or just one of those shots where you drill them right in the boiler room but they don't bleed a whole lot, then you've got to 
contend with the rain coming down and washing that blood trail away. And that might make you go in there sooner than you would normally and bump that deer. Or if you do decide to wait, then it might wash your blood trail away and you might not find him anyway. So that's something to take into consideration as well when you're talking about hunting in the rain. That blood trail is going to be a lot more difficult if the water comes down and washes most of it away. If they're, they go down in 50 yards and you see them, well, that's awesome. But we all know how often that doesn't happen. And a lot of times it can be tough even without the rain. So that's another thing I think to take into consideration. But overall, if it's not just really a torrential downpour and it's bearable to you, yeah, by all means, go out there and sit in the rain. If it's if it is that kind of downpour, wait till it's over with and get out there then. So, hopefully that answers that question. On to the third one for the day, and like I said, this is going to be a little bit quicker podcast since it's just me. Hopefully, we'll get somebody back on this week. We do have some exciting stuff coming up. I think we're going to start that this week, and I'll let you guys know when it comes out. But on to the third question. We'll get into that a little bit later with uh, the business side of things. Don't want to get into that yet. I want to finish out here with Q&A on another really common question that I see all season long. And I saw this one while I was looking through to get some questions for this episode. I don't know how many times I saw this question, maybe not exactly phrased like this, but getting at this point. And that is, simply put, should I hunt a field edge or should I hunt the timber? And again, seems like you should have a pretty straightforward answer to a fairly straightforward question, but neither of those things are true. There's a lot of nuance in it, again, like everything else that goes into hunting. One of the things that goes into it, in my opinion, is definitely the weather. Again, if it's, we'll go just go back to the rain for a second. A lot of times, if you can get back in the timber during a rain, you can get in there quiet because the leaves aren't crunching. You're not going to bump anything going in. You're going to have a lot better luck with your ground scent if you're still if you're not you don't want to be bumping into everything on the way in but just from your boots and your ground scent if you do have a steady rain it's going to wash some of that out so that could be a good time to get back in the timber maybe to a spot you couldn't get to if it was a dry calm morning or frosty morning or something like that and where you can't get back there without spooking deer so that's an option for sitting in a timber stand if it's calm and quiet just no wind frost on the ground and you can't get back into a timber set without blowing all the deer out then maybe go sit on the field edge if you know because if you do blow everything out while you're on your way in you're going to have a horrible sit very rarely can you get away with bumping deer on the way to the stand and then still see a good mature buck at least, especially this late in the year when they, if you're in an area that has pressure like we are, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be real apt to come back to that because they've already seen a lot of it and they know the deal. So if you're bumping deer going in, you're really shooting yourself in the foot from the beginning. Not to say they won't ever come back because sometimes they do and a lot of times does will. But those mature bucks, the mature deer, they're not necessarily going to come back, especially, like I said, with the pressure that they've been dealing with. So maybe that's a situation where you go sit on the field edge because you can get there quiet, a lot quieter without bumping deer. Another thing is morning and evening. 
again, they're back to their feeding patterns, getting back to their feeding patterns. So unless you've had a hot doe on camera or something, you know they're just in there chasing. If you have to walk through one of their main food sources, say a winter wheat field or even a shelled corn field if they're still feeding in that, or a bean field if there's still some beans out there for them, anything like that, if you've got to walk through that to get to your field edge stand, then you might do just what you would in the timber when it's real calm and quiet and clear that field on your way in, and then you're not going to have a good sit. So maybe that's where in the morning you go sit the timber set and maybe catch them milling around their bedding area in the morning. Or maybe you catch one coming back to his bed late. You know, we're going to see that more and more now as they're feeding longer into the morning hours again, where you might catch one coming back to his bedding area late as opposed to the early season where they're already back in their bed, generally before daylight. As it gets later, their focus shifts so not solely on food, but a lot more on food because that's where they get their energy from and how they stay warm. They're going to be out there longer, and maybe you catch them coming back to their bed from the field instead of walking through the field and, and clearing it and not seeing any deer after that. So that's a situation where maybe you hunt the timber. And then in the evening, you don't want to maybe walk through the timber if you got to go near a bedding area and ruin your hunt that way. Maybe you go sit on the field edge and wait for them to come out. And there's also the situation where if you have a bunch of pictures of deer in that field and your stand's set up right on the edge and they're in there at dark, maybe you move back into the timber a little bit in the evening because you know their bedding's probably not close, so you need to get a little bit closer to it. So find out what direction they're coming from and move your set up in that direction and maybe catch them walking in the daylight by your stand instead of them coming out into that field in the dark. That's part of the reason I don't necessarily like just a general field edge sit uh, set up in the first place. Uh, not only that, but the randomness of where the deer are going to come out. If I'm talking about a field edge set for me, it's an inside corner, maybe where a fence row meets a patch of timber with an opening in it where they're going to move through there naturally. Again, the spot that I was talking about earlier that sets up well for cruising and the deer naturally cutting the corner of this field from timber to timber. It's the shortest distance they have to walk across it in the open. That's kind of a field edge, I guess you could call it. It is technically right on the edge of a cornfield. So that's a, a field edge set that I would talk about sitting. But I'm not going to be just randomly along an edge where there's no reason for the deer to come out, go in and out of there consistently, especially if they're not getting out there till dark. So I might back up into the woods at, you know, 50 or 100 yards and see if I can catch them in the daylight as opposed to just sitting randomly on a field edge. They're just maybe you're probably going to see a lot of deer if they're if they're getting out there in the daytime, especially as we get later into the season again. That's a good opportunity to see a lot of deer, but it's not a good way to consistently have them in bow range. If you're doing that for the second gun season or even the late winter season, if you have in a county where that's available, or if you're in a state that has a late muzzleloader season or late gun season, that's that's a better option there because you can reach out farther than you can with your bow, obviously. So, But if you're bow hunting, that's not an ideal setup for getting deer into range consistently. So that's one thing I always take into consideration when talking about a field edge anyway, is what exactly do you mean by your field edge? And then back in the timber, again, that's going to be... Between the food and the bedding now, not in those 
funnels or the ridge tops necessarily where their bucks would be cruising during the rut. It's going to be those other setups. So there's a lot of nuance that goes into that. I know that's probably clear as mud, but hopefully it does help. You can take that stuff and make your decision based off of that instead of just some guy on Facebook told me that he always hunts the field edge or some guy told me he always hunts in the timber. Maybe that makes it does add a little more to it and help your decision making a little bit. At least I hope it does. That's kind of the purpose of the question and answer episodes is to answer directly the questions that you guys have instead of just what we think you might be wanting to know about. I think it does help that way. And again, if you guys ever do have any questions you want to ask us specifically to have answered on the podcast, I'd like to do more of that on the full draw Fridays. But we could do them here too if you specifically want all of us to answer it. Send it to us on the Ridge Hunter Outdoors at gmail.com or you can go through the website. You can send it to us through Facebook, Instagram, wherever. You can get a hold of us a lot of different ways. Just send us whatever questions you have, and I'll try to answer them there through whatever medium you went through, and then I'll bring it to the podcast as well. If you ask specifically for it to be on the regular episode, I'll bring it on here. If you don't mind, then I'll just, if you don't specify, I'll probably do it on a full draw Friday episode at some point. And I'm trying to bank some questions as well so I can start doing that and not run out. That's why I haven't done much of it yet. So I had to go through and pick some tonight from from groups that I had because I didn't want to mess with ones that I'm saving for, for full draw Fridays. So again, hopefully that was helpful for you guys. I know it's, Again, a little bit shorter, and it can get old just listening to me talk. I'd like to have some more guests on as well, and I'm working on that for this these episodes. And hopefully Nate's going to be back in here next week. We'll just have to see where it works out. So that's going to be it for this week as far as that stuff goes. Um, if you guys want to support the podcast, if you do like what we're doing and you're getting something out of it and you want to continue to see us do it and make it better, Check out our partners. If you listen to the podcast, you know those are Grandpa Ray Outdoors and Racks Big Game Supplements. Racks Big Game Supplements, they're a veteran-owned company out of Nebraska. They're just regular deer hunters who did years of research and came up with one of the best mineral and feed options on the market. Their Racks products will help improve your herd's overall health while not feeding non-target species like raccoons. If you are in southern Illinois, there's a good chance you'll see a ton of raccoons on any kind of food source or anything like that. Now, again, you got to be somewhere where this stuff is legal to use. So if you're in an area like us, I should say, where you have a lot of raccoons, this stuff is going to be what you want. Their feed is specifically designed for whitetails. They've got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, and meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails, like I said. Use discount code RHO22, that's capital RHO22, at checkout, and you'll receive 5% off your entire order at RaxMineral.com, R-A-K-S-Mineral.com. You can also stop by the shop and see what we have in stock, or make an order for what we don't, and save yourself some money on shipping. Our other partner, as I mentioned, Grandpa Ray Outdoors, they specialize in the best nutrition for white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. Where Rack's Big Game Supplements is going to help you with your minerals and protein blocks and pelletized feed, Grandpa Ray is going to help you with your food plots and feeding your deer that way, which you can do here in Illinois. So pay attention. They offer a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods. 
They were started in 2015, but John O'Brien up there who runs the company, he's been in the seed nutrition business since 1991. With over 14 different blends to choose from, you're not going to have any trouble finding what you're looking for, whether it be fall or spring blends, corn and beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits, you name it, they've pretty much got it for food plotting. They aren't just about selling their products, though. They'll answer any questions you have about what blends would be best for your specific property. That way you can get the best results possible. They don't believe in a cookie-cutter approach to wildlife nutrition. They're going to treat you and your situation individually. They're not about a fancy label or package either. They're about good quality seed and taking care of their clients. We talk about it all the time. We use their stuff all over the Midwest and parts of the really the West and parts of the South. And it's been as good as advertised on all the client properties we've put it on at Jeff's place. It's some of the best looking stuff that I've seen. So go check them out for all your food plot needs. And you can use discount code RHO podcast, lowercase, all lowercase, no space at grandpa Ray and get 5% off your entire order there. Again, we do have some of their stuff in the shop as well. If you guys want to do that stuff and and use their products, using those discount codes will not only help you guys out, but that's what helps us out too because it shows them we're providing them some value and that you guys are listening to the podcast and then using that discount code. In the, and again, that'll show them that you guys heard about them from us. So that helps us out big time. Other ways you guys can support, go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. We have a discount code as well. It's RHOPOD, all caps, and you'll get 10% off anything in the, uh, on the website, your entire order, 10% off with that discount code RHOPOD. So whether you want the scents or food plot seed, apparel, accessories, anything we've got on the website, use that discount code for 10% off. Some other ways you guys can support without spending any money is to go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel there, like and comment on our videos that you watch, and you can go to Spotify and follow us on there as well. Go to Apple, leave us a review on there. We are doing a giveaway, if you guys haven't heard. I need to put it on Facebook as well. But when we hit 25 reviews on Apple, we're going to give away a Wild Game Innovation Spark 2.0 trail camera package. It's the trail camera, batteries, and uh, an SD card that will get you all set up for that. Just take it out of the package, put everything in it, and you're ready to go. Set the date and the time and all that and how you want to take pictures. But like I said, we're going to give that away when we hit 25 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to this, whatever you're listening to it on, whatever platform, go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, whether it's one stars or five stars. You don't even have to put any comment on it. It'll take like a whole two minutes of your time. That is really going to help us out. The more we can get reviews on there, the higher we're going to rank in their algorithm and the more people that are going to be listening to this. So... In turn, the better we can make it for you guys. The more guests we can get on um, and the more updates we can do in here to make it a better overall experience for our listeners and eventually, hopefully, our viewers. So when we do hit that 25 mark, we'll draw a name. All you have to do to enter again is leave a review. That'll get you entered. When we hit 25, we'll draw a name and announce it on here, announce it on Facebook. We'll get a hold of you somehow. And we'll let you know, and we'll get you your trail camera package. So I'd like to do more of the stuff, too, Some as we get up in the comments and stuff uh, on YouTube or Apple Reviews. The higher we get, the better the prizes are going to be. So I would like definitely like to do more of that stuff. And that's going to start when we get to 25, though. So get over there and do that. Again, it doesn't cost you a dime. 
you might win something cool, and it helps us out if you enjoy the podcast. We would really appreciate you doing that. That's going to be it for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Friday for a Full Draw Friday episode, and then we'll see you back here for the regular episode next Monday. Thanks for listening. Thank you.